Greetings, friends. I'm John Haspel. This is a Dhamma talk from Cross River Meditation Center in Frenchtown, New Jersey. If you find benefit from this talk, please support the restoration, the preservation, and the presentation of the Buddha's Dhamma with your donation at becoming-buddha.com. Thank you. Peace. So this is the beginning of our end of year structured study to the noble Dharma practice. We'll be looking at our practice from different perspectives through different suttas. And we'll begin with the Paryasana Sutta, the Sutta on the noble and ignoble searches. The right and not right searches. I'll start with John's words here. In this remarkable sutta, the Buddha uses his own search for understanding as a profoundly wise and compassionate example for our search for understanding. In this sutta, the Buddha teaches that a noble search must have a focused direction that does not simply reinforce ignorance or current fabrications. The framework and guidance of the Eightfold Path support recognizing and abandoning the fabrications that have arisen from ignorance as described in the Paditya Samapada Sutta, the primary sutta on dependent origination. And we'll just... Um, we won't read, I won't read the whole um, sutta, but we'll hit some highlights here to kind of get us focused on how we all got here. Somehow we've all gotten into a search for what we're looking for. And we've seen others around us, or maybe even in here, um, come from different directions and sometimes um, not find this search the proper one for them. In the Buddhist words, friends, 
there are two types of searching for understanding. There's ignoble searching and there's noble searching. And what is ignoble searching? Ignoble searching occurs when a person subject to birth seeks happiness in what is also subject to birth. In John's words, the profound nature of this statement cannot be overlooked. All things that arise are prone to cessation. Seeking happiness by craving for or clinging to anything in the impermanent world is also clinging to or joining with stress, with disappointment, and ongoing unsatisfactory experiences. The Buddha's words. Ignoble searching occurs when a person subject to sickness seeks happiness in what is also subject to sickness. Ignoble searching occurs when a person subject to aging seeks happiness in what is also subject to aging. Ignoble searching occurs when a person subject to death seeks happiness in what is also subject to death. Ignoble searching occurs when a person subject to sorrow, regret, pain, distress, despair, degree to aversion to delusion seeks happiness in what is also subject to sorrow, regret, pain, distress, despair, degree to aversion and delusion. So when we try to find our understanding by doubling back on the very fabrications that got us to the stress is going to lead to more stress. It's unavoidable. But it's, for most of us, all that's out there, all that's available to, to uh, all that's held out to us as, as this is the solution for our unhappiness. They can be distractions, they can be something, someone who holds out salvation to us. But that all turns back to the very fabrications that keep us in this world of stress and suffering. The words of the Buddha. Noble searching is 
while being subject to birth, seeking to understand the suffering of birth, seeking the unborn and the unexalt release of the yoke, the unbinding. This is noble searching. Noble searching is while being subject to sickness, to aging, to death, to sorrow, regret, pain, distress, despair, to greed, to aversion, to delusion, seeking what is free of sickness, aging, death, free of sorrow, regret, pain, distress, despair, free of greed, aversion, delusion. This is noble searching. Noble searching is seeking the unexcelled release of the yoke, the unbinding. This is noble searching. So to find that, understanding that is done through our practice. This is why we, uh, we start this series <clears throat> to see how we have gotten here and how we, in my case, how I've gone astray. I've, I've, I've looked for things that held out a promise and did not deliver. Um, did, to, did these things that held up promise bring you different avenues of like satisfaction, but ultimately? Some, yeah. Yeah, there, there, there was a measure of, <clears throat> um, hmm, I'm going to say that. Um, there was a measure of <sighs> release there, um, I remember. Um, um, part of it was was being surrounded by by people that were trying to do the same thing, uh, and and um, it's sort of the camaraderie of that, mm. um, and <clears throat> you know somebody holding out. Like, you know, I know what's going, you know, mm -hmm. I have, I have the truth. And, um, and, and seeing that as a, as a, um, as a solution for my confusion, you know, the, 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 the search is never that focused. Um, you know, you, you know, you're, you're looking for something, but, but 90% of the time you don't really know what it is. You know, you get little hints here and there. So when somebody holds out the, the, the promise that, you know, I have the whole package, you know, 
all he has to do is listen to me and all he has to do is follow what, what, what I'm saying. Yeah, there, mm-hmm. there, there is a, um, um, yeah, there's a bit of confidence that comes with that, you know. Um, but then, you know, as, uh, if, if you're honest with yourself, if, if, and, and I don't know, you know, what, what got me to always being somewhat skeptical of, uh, you know, I was never quite confident, never quite comfortable with, with just joining in with what everybody else was doing. Uh, there, there's a certain amount of comfort that comes with that. Um, but I'm always the one who pokes at it a little bit more. So, yeah. Um, you know, and, <clears throat> but that, that starts, that starts early on. And that, for me, it started early on, you know, just, just being in church and, and mm. being and in, in Catholic school and being held out like this is the truth, you know. And, and when you start asking questions, the questions don't quite add up. So, uh, yeah, an, an ignoble search or or a search that that doesn't work always works in at a certain level because if you if you keep asking. Um, and keep searching, it, it brings you to the next step. You know, okay, this does not work. You know, let's try something else. Thank you. The Buddhist words. <clears throat> Having engaged in the noble search, they are unattached to anything in the world. They are as carefree as a deer, far removed from the hunter's range. Why are they as carefree as a deer, far removed from the hunter's range? Because they have completed the noble search and through their own efforts have gone beyond Mars reach. They have gone beyond the reach of ignorance. Those who have engaged in the noble search, who have completed the path, are said to be rightly self-awakened. This is what the great teacher said, and the group of five were delighted from hearing those words. The interesting thing here is that this happened very early in uh, in his teaching. He was still just talking to his five by friends, mm. who all all six of them, including the Buddha, were ser- very seriously involved in a search. And uh, for the Buddha, it was clear uh, that the search was wasn't right. Uh, it took him a while to uh, to convince the other five that um, it that those searches were, were not right, were not noble. And he says here, that because they have completed the noble search and through their own efforts, have gone beyond Mars reach. Through their own efforts, they have gone beyond the reach of those fabrications that 
help them in 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 bondage. So we'll continue then with the Sakafibanga Sutta, the explanation of the Four Noble Truths. The analysis of the Four Noble Truths, the Saka Vibhanga Sutta. On one occasion, the Buddha was staying at Deer Park in Isipatama. He addressed those gatherings. Friends, it was here that I set in motion the unexcelled wheel of the Dharma. My Dharma cannot be corrupted by any Brahman, Deva, Mara, Brahma, or anyone in the entire world. No one can corrupt the revelation, the declaration, the description, the structure, the explanation, and the clear and direct teaching of the Four Noble Truths. Because this, this bedrock of of the Dharma um, just stands on its own. It's it's really um, incredible that that this just came to be. <clears throat> I think it's, it's what's occurring. I don't know why I always look at it like it's it's really what's occurring, mm -hmm. and it's like it's hard to escape the. Uh, the truth in that mm -hmm. and it's really the solution out of it right um, <laughs> but the, the the solidity of it uh, and he 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 says it it's it's it stands on its own you know even if you try and it has been tried to to corrupt this and and to to negate it but it still stands mm -hmm. it doesn't it <sighs> Even if it had completely disappeared from the world, it would—it was there. It was solid, and um, a lot of people have ended their fabrications with it. But it's still here. No one can corrupt the revelation, the declaration, the description, the structure, the explanation, and the clear and direct teachings of the Four Noble Truths. The Noble Truth of Stress and Suffering, the Noble Truth of the Origination of Stress, the Noble Truth of the Cessation of Stress, the Noble Truth of the Eightfold Path of Practice leading to the Cessation of Stress. Friends, associate with wise disciples such as Sariputta and Moggallana. 
Sariputta and Moggallana are well-trained, focused, wise, and sympathetic to those developing a life integrated with the Eightfold Path. Sariputta is like a mother giving birth. And Moggallana is like the wet nurse who feeds the baby. Sariputta trains others on beginning developing the Dhamma, Moggallana to the highest culmination. Sariputta is able to declare, teach, describe, set forth, reveal, explain, and make plain the Four Noble Truths in detail. Having said these words, the Buddha left for the days abiding. Which is quite amazing that, that he would just hand over to uh, one of his chief disciples and, and go sit somewhere um, in, in, in full confidence that as difficult as it is to set this out to, and this is to beginning book, uh, bhikkhus, to, to novices, clearly. Um, the confidence that he has, and, and also maybe the, um, <clears throat> the comfort that he had from seeing that uh, his, his teachings were, were teachable, not just by himself, but anyone who experienced it for themselves could do this. Sariputta then addressed those gathered. Friends, it was here that the Tathagata set in motion the unexcelled wheel of the Dharma. This Dharma cannot be corrupted by any Brahman, Deva, Mara, Brahma, or anyone in the entire world. No one can corrupt the revelation, the declaration, the description, the structure, the explanation, and the clear and direct teachings of four noble truths. The noble truth of stress and suffering, the noble truth of the origination of stress, the noble truth of the cessation of stress, and the noble truth of the eightfold path of practice leading to cessation of stress. And friends, what is the noble truth of stress and suffering? Birth is stressful, sickness is stressful, aging is stressful, death is stressful, sorrow, regret, pain, distress, and despair are all stressful. Not getting what is desired is stressful, receiving what is undesired is stressful. In short, the five clinging aggregates are stressful. This birth that he starts off with um, isn't just the, the physical birth. It's the actual birth of what experiences suffering, how that comes to be. And it's the five clinging aggregates, form, feeling, form, feeling, perception. Perceptions, <laughs> um, 
fabrications and consciousness. So those things all clung together and clinging to things is what experiences this stress, this sickness, this aging, this death. And the first noble truth is says, yes, this exists, you know. All these things are stressful. And what is birth? Whatever takes birth. The descent, the coming to be, the coming forth, the arising of the five clinging aggregates, the fabrication of sensuous realms of diverse beings. This is called birth. The fabrication of the sensuous realms of diverse beings. Again, it's the arising of that which experiences the suffering. And the sensuous realms here, the sensuous realms of diverse beings, um, is the description of how these fabrications that we live in come to be out of our senses, out of what comes to us through our senses. Now, this word birth comes up a lot in, uh, in various things. And um, it's one of the reasons why in, in the Abhidhamma, this, this whole sidetrack gets, gets made in where you know, there are so many births that are involved in uh, dependent origination. <clears throat> And the Buddha rarely talks about physical birth. He talks about life and how he experiences it. But I'm getting more and more the, the sense that this birth is just what happens in the moment. When, when we are fully involved in, in this in these five clinging aggregates, experiencing stress, we're continuously giving birth to this, this entity that, you know, this, it's, it's like a loop of um, um, coming to be all the time. 
could that being, that personality that we that we create, that we stick together, uh, clinging wise. is what experiences this suffering and it we give birth to it continuously and what is aging aging is decrepitude brokenness graying wrinkling the decline of the life force, diminishing of mental faculties of diverse beings. This is called aging. And again, it's, it's a natural process. And it's not by necessity a reason to stress. It's when we, when we cling to things, when we cling to or when we are actually averse to this, that stress happens. And what is death? Death is the passing away, the breaking up, the disappearing, the completion of time, the casting of the body, the interruption of the, of the life faculty, and the dissolution of the five clinging aggregates of diverse beings. This is called death. And what is sorrow? Sorrow is sadness. This suffering of misfortune, being touched by pain, this is called sorrow. And what is regret? Regret is the grieving, the crying, the weeping, the wailing, the regret of suffering from misfortune, of being touched by pain, this is called regret. And what is pain? Pain is bodily pain bodily discomfort, pain or discomfort from bodily contact, this is called pain. And what is distress? Distress is mental pain, mental discomfort. Pain or discomfort from mental contact, this is called distress. And what is despair? Despair is despondency or desperation of anyone suffering from misfortune or touch by a painful thing. This is called despair. It's just a simple declaration. It's a simple explanation by, by Saraputta here of what this life is and, and, and how, we, um, how we experience this stress. And what is the stress of not getting what is desired? In those being subject to birth, the wish arises, may I not be subject to birth? May birth not come to me? Wishing does not bring cessation. This is the stress of not getting what is desired. This, this one line, wishing does not bring cessation, is. <laughs> it's just so simple and um, uh, it, it lies at the root of an enormous amount of stress and, and um, 
it's so natural to us to not want it. When, this, when, when something that we, we don't want touches us in some way. Furthermore, in the uninformed human being subject to birth, sickness, aging, death, sorrow, regret, pain, distress, and despair, the wish arises. Oh, may I not be subject to birth, sickness, aging, death, sorrow, regret, pain, distress, and despair. May these not befall me. These things are not avoided by wishing. This is the stress of not getting what is desired. Yeah, so the stress is a direct consequence of this wishing. Trying to wish away the things that we don't want. It's the denial of impermanence, the craving for permanence. Mm -hmm. When you attach to this thing that is not self. Right. You have all three of them right there in the center of it. And it's, and it's such, it's such a crystal clear thing. And still nobody sees it. You'd have to get your nose pushed on it. Not by experience because that the experience of wishing and not getting what you want and getting stressed out of it doesn't lead to doesn't lead to understanding. You just you're just gonna do it more and longer. Sorry for this works. And what are the five clinging aggregates that continue stress? The clinging to form aggregate, the clinging to feeling aggregate, the clinging to perception aggregate, the clinging to fabrication aggregate, and the clinging to consciousness aggregate. These are the five clinging aggregates that continue stress. This friends is the noble truth of stress. So all these five things that continue stress only continue stress because of the clinging part that's in there. By themselves, they are just
what make up our the thing that is in the world add clinging to it and it becomes the things that experiences distress. Second noble truth, and what is the noble truth of the origination of stress? The very craving that makes for becoming. Craving clinging to passion and delight. Entranced here and there with craving for sensuality, craving for continued becoming, craving for non-becoming. This is called the noble truth of the origination of stress. So at the core of this second noble truth is the craving. And it points back to the wishing that we see in the first noble truth. clinging to passion and delight. And trance here and there with craving for sensuality, those things that comes through our senses, craving for continued coming, for non-becoming. Those terms are, are not really laid out very well by Sarah Kutta here. And we'll see the same thing in um, the third noble truth is that he goes through it quite quickly. Um, spends a lot of time on the first and on the fourth noble truth. But he is talking to novices. He's talking to people that have their kind of first um, look, their first explanation of the four noble truths of the practice. And um, Basically, what's happening here is that he's telling these novices, this is what your situation is. This is your first noble truth. And in the fourth noble truth, this is what you're going to be doing about that in your practice. What happens in between is for novices and, and for bhikkhus probably um, a a study that comes later once they start once they start practicing they can they'll have a they'll have occasion to to look into what is actually what this practice is actually doing 
Um, so, here's the third noble truth. And what, friends, is the noble truth? The cessation of stress, the renunciation, the re relinquishment, the release, the letting go, the remainderless fading away, and the complete cessation of craving. This is called the noble truth of the cessation of stress. Again, this wishing, this craving from the first noble truth is now fading away. And it fades away through the practice. And what is the noble truth of the path of Dharma practice that leads directly to the cessation of, of stress? This path is the noble eightfold path. Right view. Right view is the knowledge with regard to stress, knowledge with regard to the origination of stress, knowledge with regard to the cessation of stress, knowledge with regard to the eightfold path of practice leading to cessation of stress. This is right view. So right view is understanding the four noble truths. Right intention. The right intention is maintaining mindfulness of the intention for renunciation, for freedom of ill will, for harmlessness, and for cessation. This is right intention. So once we have the knowledge of the Four Noble Truths, we can set our intention with that. This is what we're going to do. These are the, the core parts of what we're going to do. Maintaining mindfulness of the intention for renunciation. We keep in mind that renunciation is the goal. And we do that by keeping ourselves free from ill will, keeping ourselves harmless, and seize the cessation, the cessation of views ignorant of the Four Noble Truths. The third, right speech. Right speech is abstaining from lying, abstaining from divisive speech, abstaining from abusive speech, abstaining from gossip and idle chatter. This is right speech. In applying right speech, in sticking to those, to that rule, <clears throat> we get to see where the previous one, this right intention is not quite working. We, can, we, we see where it rubs. Once we see where it rubs, we're starting to see, get an understanding of 
how this craving, how this aversion, how this really works, where it pops up in our lives. If we didn't have those rules, we'd be oblivious of that. We think it's normal. We think it's, that's the thing, we're perfectly, um, it's a perfectly reasonable thing to do. To lie, to cheat, you know, at times, you know, a little bit here and there. It's not until you apply the rule without exception that you get to um, see that there's still some of that left in you, even with sometimes with your best intentions. Uh, and so. It takes away some of the illusion that you have of yourself. Number four, right action. Right action of abstaining from taking life, abstaining from stealing, abstaining from mental, uh, sexual uh, misconduct. This is right action. And the same thing happens here. Um, you know, it doesn't. You don't run in too many times in into the um, the rule for not taking life, but um, stealing and sexual misconduct that sneaks in there pretty easily. Um, just being it, it forces you to be scrupulously honest. In your in your behavior, in the business world, it's abstaining from stealing, and and the the, the longer version of that is abstaining from taking anything that's not freely given. Um, is for me a a, a good test. And when I'm when I'm performing a service for anyone, um, I make sure that they get what they pay for. Um, and if I can be if I can be generous in in what I do, um, that can be a real test. If I have any kind of, of um, built-in misgivings, ill will towards any of my any of my clients, my customers, uh, that comes out if I apply that rule. Let's give this. Let's give these folks what they paid for, even if they're annoying, even if they're they're. <laughs> Probably not quite telling the truth. That it was still what happened. You know how this came to me. Uh, you know these people are paying me. You know I uh, if I take their money, I I need to be sure that that was given freely. Um, so that is given to me for me to 
be as thorough and generous as I can. And abstaining from sexual misconduct, um, that's, uh, that's a lifelong, <laughs> that's a lifelong learning experience in, in any relationship, any sexual relationship. Yeah. Right livelihood. Right livelihood is when the skillful disciple of the noble ones has abandoned dishonest livelihood and provides for themselves with honesty. This is right livelihood. To me, it goes right back to right action. Um, I don't see a big difference there. Um, but yeah. Honesty is is uh, is the big thing. Uh, number six, right effort. Right effort is when the skillful disciple of the noble ones generates the skillful desire, whose persistence, who remains mindful of their intent for the non-arising of skill, unskillful qualities that have yet to arise, who remain mindful of their intent for the abandoning of unskillful qualities that have arisen, who remain mindful of maintaining non-confusion and for increasing, developing, and the culmination of skillful qualities that have yet arisen. This is right effort. So we see the possibility for unskillful things arising. We know that this can happen and we basically cut them off at the pass. And then when we see that unskillful things have arisen in us, through understanding, we can abandon him at that moment. And when we see skillful qualities in us, we'll maintain them and increase them. Right mindfulness. Right mindfulness is when a skillful disciple of the noble ones remains mindful of the body in and of itself while remaining ardent, alert, and mindful of putting aside greed and distress with reference to the world. Right mindfulness is when a skillful disciple of the noble ones remains mindful of feelings in and of themselves while remaining ardent, alert, and mindful of putting aside greed and distress with reference to the world. Right mindfulness is when the skillful disciple of the noble ones remains mindful of thoughts in and of themselves while remaining ardent, alert, and mindful, putting aside greed and distress with reference to the world. Right mindfulness is when the skillful disciple of the noble ones remains mindful of the present quality of mind in and of itself 
while remaining ardent, alert, and mindful of putting aside greed and distress with reverence for the world. This is right mindfulness. So here are the four financials of mindfulness, very simply. Number eight, right meditation. Right meditation is when the skillful disciple of the noble ones has established seclusion from sensuality and unskillful mental qualities. They enter and remain in the first jhana. This first jhana is experienced as <clears throat> rapture or contentment born of that very seclusion. It's accompanied by directed thought and evaluation. So the core of the first jhana is very simply seeking seclusion. That by itself is most of the first jhana. Finding contentment in it. <clears throat> and is accompanied by directed thought and evaluation. We set our minds to it and we evaluate whether this is right or wrong, whether this feels good or not good. Furthermore, the ending of the defilements depends on the second job, which is the stilling of directive thought and evaluation. The second jhana is experienced as rapture or contentment and pleasure born of concentration. Free of directive thought and evaluation, the joy of concentration permeates their entire mind and body. Once in seclusion, we can establish concentration. That is our second job. Just the contentment of finally having this mind concentrated, mastered. Furthermore, the ending of the defilements depends on the third jhana, which is the fading of discontentment. They remain equanimous, mindful, alert, sensitive to pleasure. With the fading of contentment, this pleasant abiding permeates their entire body, mind and body. Furthermore, the ending of the defilements depends on the fourth jhana, which is the abandoning of evaluation. There is no longer any good or bad. There is just what is. They enter and remain in the fourth jhana, which is pure equanimity and mindful. Being pure, neither pleasure nor pain is seen. They sit permeated in mind and body with pure bright awareness. The fourth jhana, which is a pleasant abiding. This is right meditation. This is the noble truth of the eightfold path of practice that leads directly to the cessation of stress. So Buddha continues. Friends, it was here that the Tathagata set in motion the unexcelled wheel of the Dharma. This Dharma cannot be corrupted by any Brahman, Deva, Mara, or Brahma, 
or anyone in the entire world. No one can corrupt the revelation, the declaration, the description, the structure, the explanation, and the clear and direct teaching of the Four Noble Truths. This is what the Venerable Sariputta said. Gratified, those in attendance were delighted with the Venerable Sariputta's words. So, these are the things we will be talking about in the next couple of months. Month? Month and a half. Thank you all. Um, Jeff, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing well, uh, Ron. Thanks for that. That was that was a good uh, review. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I'm going to maintain silence, so that's all right. A little unconcentrated these days. Yep. Well, hope you stay well, Brian. There's the mute button. I found it. Um, thank you, Ron. The, um, it just it just uh, landed on me reading through the aggregates how how much they rely on us feeding them mm -hmm. for their existence and and in that act of clinging creating creates the suffering and the stress and it's just if, if there's none of that clinging going on the stress is just not there um and, and as much work as it is we just keep doing it, it it's yeah it's almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy right until you see the the fallacy of it but um yeah i'm looking forward to this this study for the next several weeks so thank you appreciate it you're welcome Jane, how are you tonight? I'm well, thank you. I always appreciate listening to you talk the Dhamma. It's, uh, um, in the beginning, we were talking more about the search. And it, it just, for me, I mean, I talked about this before. I never searched. I mean, I was miserable. Mm -hmm. But I always thought that I had to be the one to figure it out. And if I couldn't figure it out, and to be honest, I was really to the point where I was resigned that that's the way it was going to be. I was just yeah. going to be miserable for, and uh, it, it was just through fortune. I mean, I hurt my leg and I started going to Matt for acupuncture. And then mm -hmm. gradually I started talking to him about it. You know, I found I could talk to somebody and then he led me to the, to the Dhamma, but I just feel very fortunate because like I said, I never would have come up with this on my own. Okay. <laughs> um... Now, uh, I tried it too, and, um, you know, um, you're just so mired in, in your own fabrications, um, which you think are either inevitable or, or you know, or great, um, that, um, yeah, coming up with this, and even when I first... When, when I first heard it, I really heard it first through, um, now I, I probably had heard the Four Noble Truths before at some point, 
but they were just a confusing jumble for me. Um, yeah. It takes it takes a, a a bit of patient teasing apart to 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 get rid of because it, it there's just surrounded by by fabrications of 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 other lineages and other um, other people that have tried to explain this um, outside of the Dharma and. Um, it just See, I was fortunate, Ram. I didn't know all that. So it was like, yeah. when I saw this, it was like, this was fresh and totally different. And right away, I knew it was going to be, I didn't understand it all, but I knew right away, this was, this was something special, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I used to spend time on these, these forums, um, you know, where people throw in questions and all that. And, um, there just wasn't a, a solid explanation of the Four Noble Truths out there. Um, it was all little opinions here and there. Uh, it was just a massive confusion. Um, but, you know, here it is, you know, unexcelled. Thank you. You're welcome. David. And just to go back to ignoble mm -hmm. searches, doesn't mean that they're bad. Doesn't mean that they don't have good intentions and there isn't honesty and there isn't a need to help or a desire to help people. It just means there's no resolution mm -hmm. to the problem at hand and it's not the elimination of the pain and death and sickness that we all are, are subject to it just means that there's no resolution mm -hmm. so it's ignoble to seek out something that doesn't resolve itself yeah, because you, you come back to, you know, and this it resolves, brings you back to where you were. Yeah, this resolves itself. It, it gives mm -hmm. a purpose. It gives a context to your your effort, and that's right effort. And mm -hmm. without that, even if you're doing good works, it's for the wrong purpose. Mm -hmm. And you know, right speech and right action and right livelihood. That's the mirror that we all have with these truths. Mm -hmm. And without it, it's it's just ignoble. So. Yeah. Yeah. Comparing like the right action, right speech and right livelihood to just being a good person. You know, doing good things. Uh, it's it's night and day. Uh, it's, yeah, and and confusion, continued confusion. I'm, I'm trying to be a good person, and it, and it's not working. You know, that's that feeling you get that it's yeah. I'm unsatisfied, despite this work to have a good career and a family. 
in the context of the formable truths. It, it gives a purpose mm -hmm. and, uh, and again, the resolution. So looking forward to this. And I, I also like, this is a good way to start because once you get into a study, you start <clears throat> parsing it out, but this mm -hmm. gives you a good start and it's all laid out and together. It has to be thought of as right. all together. It is a plan and the plan works. Thank you. Brett. <clears throat> Thanks for the teaching. Good to be here. Uh, it was good to hear the basics. It was good to hear the mm -hmm. go through the eightfold path. Um, I think sometimes I uh, I used to be more concentrated on that. Mm -hmm. uh, <clears throat> and having keeping it, holding it more in mind, I think. I mean, I always have, you know, right after it's something that kind of comes naturally in a way, I think, and right, you know, great livelihood. I kind of always do well with that, and, right. you know, but that's, I care about my reputation, so that is really going to go hand in hand. Mm -hmm. um, but how you do with like right intent, you know, because that's requires a bit more right. yeah. background thought. Yes. To, you know, what am I really doing here? You know, why am I doing this? Right. How am I going to do this? And I think that's what I've been struggling with recently is the just right intention to, you know, exactly what you just said. When, why am I doing this? When, you know, I, you know, there's a, you know, you see the four little troops a lot when you're, um, they come up a lot more if you're not, I think if your intention isn't maybe aligned, you're, you're struggling. Mm -hmm. you know, what is your intention behind yeah. uh, even awakening daily, you know, or, or continued habits that prolong you from right. awakening or, you know, sometimes it's- Or even being stress-free. <laughs> well, as it is, when there's tons of stress, you can't see through the fog. Mm -hmm. And then you really have to have the right intention to be able to say, let's continue things keep from happening, you know, hindrance, you know, whatever these hindrances keep on popping up, what can I do to change it in my life? And how can I you know, start to look at things differently? Mm -hmm. like, or, or just take action, you know, or realize it's, you know, like, you know supportable shoots coming up, you know, it's like a stressor, but at a certain point, you have to also look into that. Right. And yeah. Say, and say, well, why is it? Yeah, and in, in the, the forefront, as you're mindful, is in, in, in that whole sutta, you know, one of the things that comes up is that you need to be mindful of the Four Noble Truths. Mm -hmm. That mindfulness needs to be there for your practice to work. Yeah. And in the next couple of weeks, you'll get a chance to, uh, to dive more more into that to keep continue to, to work on that mindfulness of the form of truth as, as being a, a background in your in your in your actions in, in your in your daily way. Not a bad thing to do. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you all. Thank you all online. Have a good evening. Rob, did you say our friend John is okay? Uh, yes, our friend John is okay, and I almost forgot to do the Karani Yamada Sutta, and he would beat me up with that. Uh -oh. <laughs>
<clears throat> Let's all take a few breaths and settle down. This is what should be done for one who is skilled in goodness and who knows the path of peace. Let them be able and upright, straightforward and gentle in speech, humble and not conceited, contented and easily satisfied, unburdened with duties and frugal in their ways, peaceful and calm and wise and skillful, not proud or demanding in nature, let them not do the slightest thing that the wise would later reprove. May all beings be at ease. Whatever living beings there may be, whether they are weak or strong, omitting none, the great or the mighty, medium, short or small. The seen and the unseen, those living near and far away, those born and to be born. May all beings be at ease. Let none deceive another or despise any being in any state. Let none through anger or ill will wish harm upon another. Even as a mother protects with her life her child, her only child, so with a boundless heart should one cherish all living beings, radiating kindness over the entire world, spreading upwards to the skies and downwards to the depths, outwards and unbounded, freed from hatred and ill will. Whether standing or walking, seated or lying down, free from drowsiness, one should sustain this recollection. This is said to be the sublime abiding. By not holding to fixed views, the pure-hearted one, having clarity of vision, being freed from all sense desires, is not born again into this world. Thank you all. Thank you, Ron. Thank you, Ron. Thanks, Ron. Thank you. And have a good night. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening. I rely on donations to support the continued restoration, preservation, and presentation of the Buddha's Dhamma. If you find benefit here, please consider a donation at becoming-buddha.com. Thank you. Peace.